Welcome to North London is Ours, the Arsenal and Spurs podcast brought to you by Andreas and me, Aaron. Enjoy. It was prime Barclays today as Spurs played out a pulsating 3-3 draw away at Manchester City, while Arsenal continue in their business-like fashion, leading at the top of the Premier League table, having dismantled Wolves 2-1 at the Emirates. This is North London is ours. Good evening, Andreas. Good evening, sir. How are we tonight? Season's greetings as well. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Feeling festive? Yeah, I am. Yeah, the decorations are up. It's a busy football season, uh, time of the football season. Yeah, it's good. A good time of year. I like it. It's a nice, it's a nice vibe. You know, I don't know about you. We went very early with the Christmas decorations this year. Like pre-December, we went put them up. It's uh, a brave move. Yeah, we're we're exactly the same. I love it. We uh, wife's birthday is late November, so as soon as that's out of the way, we 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 got them up. Love it. Their hours go down pretty quickly afterwards, so that's why how we justify it. 27th, we get them down. Oh, no messing around there. Jeez. Exactly. A bit like Arsenal over the weekend. Business. <laughs> Business life. So I think we have nice to... Um, I think we have to start with the Spurs-City Spurs game today, don't we? Absolute classic, epic match, right? Uh, prime Barclays, mate. Prime Barclays. That's what we <laughs> want to see. What a game. What a game. Um... Delighted to stop the rot from our point of view. Um, un- unexpected draw going into it. I was very, very pessimistic in truth. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we were messaging privately and I predicted a 4-2 defeat. I think you predicted 3-1. Yeah. Um, there was there was a lot of logic, I think, to both of those predictions. And, and in truth, <laughs> the way the first half went, could probably have gone that way. Um Sorry to interject, I'd, I'd go as far as saying that, you know, you could have been, they could have been home and dry at half-time, it could have been four or five. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's hard to disagree with that. Yeah. Um, they, they laid it on thick, they, what, I mean, Haaland's missed a sitter, they've hit, I mean, that shot from Doku, it's hit the post and the bar, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. sort of wave after wave, it felt like, but... To be honest, though, I think when you go to City, you expect they're going to have a period, right, where they where they dominate. But I think they did genuinely create some very clear chances, and I think we did ride out like that first half. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, they were very very dominant, very um, very good in well, I want to say good in front of goal, but they they probably should have scored a lot more than they did. So they kind of let you guys off the hook in the first half, I would say. Yeah, it was funny because going into the game. I think every Spurs fan was terrified by the prospect of Haaland sort of getting in behind Royale and Davis at yeah. centre-half. And it just never really materialised. And his chances were sort of, yeah, more sort of cutbacks and, and like one-touch finishes. And I think maybe that, yeah, ultimately, maybe we're lucky. Maybe we didn't somehow, we did somehow avoid him sort of running in, using his pace, his strength, his physicality to just sort of bully us. So, um, so you know what I, I think from my point of view it's one of those where it's like you know you're going to be under pressure at City you know they're an unbelievable team even hearing some of the the quotes afterwards from them they've they've essentially come out and Pep said it as well they played at an incredibly high level they felt they played like close to their best yeah um, and when they're like that there's, there's only so much I think 
maybe you could sort of part with them, maybe. But there's very few teams in world football that are going to live with that with that city sort of press. And um, yeah, it's very true. Like, and I know they they lost players in the summer, like really big players for them in terms of like Gundogan um, and De Bruyne has been out. But they they have um, they've they've also invested in some top top quality players in Josko Gavardio and um, Jeremy Doku as well. So it, I know people are like oh they're they're weaker this year. I, I don't really subscribe to that. I don't know. They still feel like a very it's, for me they're still the the best team in the world. You know, there's no two ways about that. Um, and to beat them um, is a really really difficult task you know you scored three today against them and, and didn't win you know that's kind of that's that's that doesn't often happen does it no it's mad I'm thinking about it actually neither of us have you know we've, we've collectively taken four points off City as, as Arsenal and Spurs this season which is which is some feat and they def we definitely seem to be their bogey team I mean we've I think I saw a stat from the Premier League that we've taken more points off them in the last six years than any other team um, they they just they just struggle against us and and what was interesting today was our totally different approach because mm. part of the reason they struggled in the past was we were able to just sit back soak up a load of pressure under defence minded man- managers and hit them on the break with Kane's through balls Son's pacing behind yeah whereas today I think the thing I'm most proud about particularly second half where we really went toe to toe with them and that was such an impressive second half from our point of view was. We played them at their own game and didn't lose. And I think that's where I think I take a lot of confidence, a lot of pride. And that is almost validation for the approach that Ange is trying to take, which is if we want to be a big club, if we are serious about that, we've got to sort of take ownership and try and dominate games and get on the front foot. And um, yeah, yeah, it's refreshing to see second half. And yeah, credit to the guys for showing the resilience to, to come back twice. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you were saying about in, in previous seasons that that kind of counter-attacking um, approach, really, we're using Son's pace and through balls, etc. Um, ironically, that's where your first goal came from today, wasn't it? With a, a great a play. And obviously, as a, from as an Arsenal fan, Arsenal perspective, I was hoping for a Spurs win today just mm. to keep City further away. So to see you go 1-0 ahead, I was... A, obviously, I don't like to see Spurs winning, but... Um, I I was like, oh, this is good for us. Like, this is what I want to see to ha- happen. But um, I think I'd like to hear you like your thoughts on on the goal. I thought Brian, he goes by Brian now, just Brian. Uh, <laughs> just bro- it just was Brian, Brian Gill. Brian Gill, yeah. He's got the worst chant, by the way. It's just we've got Brian Gill, Brian Gill. We've got. <laughs> it's just there's no creativity there at all. Um, and I thought it was really poor from Doku as well, who's been electric going forward this season, but. He was, he was like a, you know, he was struggling big time, wasn't he? He was like a fish out of water trying to, trying to get back and had no legs to get back with Son as well. What were your thoughts on the uh, the opening goal? Yeah, it's a goal I've seen many times um, in terms of us scoring against City through the years. Exactly that sort of counter attack, Son's pace causing havoc, and it's funny because I, I don't know if you had a chance to catch the United Newcastle match last night. Um, and it was an evident theme in that match where United's wingers just were not able or willing to track back on Newcastle's full-backs and wingers. And like Rashford and I think it was Martial on the other side were getting just caught all the time. And I think players like Doku, who are like incredible in one-on-one attacking situations, 
it's just so evident that they, they their strength is not the other way. Mm. Um, and I think the, the reason for the goal was he was sort of in a dominant position to clear the ball. But then once Son sort of nodded it ahead, he kind of semi-stopped. His instinct was to stop instead of just carry on tracking, carry mm. on tracking Son. Um, so yeah, I thought keeper as well should definitely do better. But um, yeah, it wasn't Son. it wasn't a clinical finish. You know, we know. You, I, mean, I think you've spoken about Son's stats in the past that when he gets a chance, he usually takes it. Like he's one of the most clinical in world football. I think you were you, you had numbers to back that up as well in previous podcasts. But it wasn't the cleanest of finishes, was it? Kind of like um, kind of bounced underneath Edison, who'd probably be a bit annoyed with himself, I imagine. Yeah, I think. You got it's kind of kind of gone under him, and he's he's hit it hard, but you, you don't want to see your keeper being beaten. If it's gone into the far corner, smash the side netting, you're thinking great mm. finish, but it wasn't that. No. Um. So yeah, took yeah. the goal, and yeah, he it... quickly made amends at the other end. Old Sonny, for a very <laughs> yeah, yeah. unfortunate. It was a good brace, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a time when a player scored and then scored in the other end within sort of five minutes. It's quite crazy. Yeah, that, do you know what I thought caught Spurs out a little bit? And it's kind of a bit old-fashioned. You know, you have classic left footer and right footer over the ball. Um, mm. I think it was. I want to say it was Bernardo Silva standing over it. He, he looked like he was going to swing it in with his left, and then uh, it, it kind of sold me. I, I went, and I think the players started to move and drop. And then um, it actually came in from um, Alvarez, I think, was the, the final ball. So it was a bit of an outswing. Or is it the other way around? I can't recall. Um, but yeah, I think that, that little bit of a um, couple of players over the ball kind of gave Spurs something else to kind of think about. And I, I think Son, obviously, his intention is not to do that. He's just trying to stop the ball. But it's it's an unfortunate one, wasn't it? But Yeah, it's just an unlucky one. It's just one of them. I, I really don't think there's... There's much to say. I mean, yeah. The ball's come in. It's gone over a few heads. You can't tell if Haaland's flicked it. Spurs play, and it's just hit on his thigh. It's just, it's just one of them. Just um, an important question, though. Did he do his celebration for the second one with the? <laughs> <laughs> you hate that celebration. Uh, I didn't see it. I was like, come on, when are you going to see his celebration? But he didn't. No, well, you know, interestingly, one thing I did notice was his reaction immediately was to just turn away and run and get the team back in position and like, right, let's go again. Mm. He, he didn't sort of stand around and sort of wallow in it, and I think that's definitely um, a mindset that's being introduced, you know, by by the manager to the team, where it's like they have a go, we have a go. Sort of reflective in the way the game panned out, in the way many of our games have gone this season. It's like mm. let's just crack on. Shit happens. Let's just crack on and go again. And yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. But at the same time, yeah. Um, you want to make sure that you're you're scoring more goals than your opposition, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So then um, Harden misses an absolute sitter, right? I couldn't believe he missed that. It's a sh- shocker. Flashed across the across goal um, from an I think a Royal mistake, and then you're thinking uh, you're thinking goal, right? Oh yeah, I mean that that is a sitter, hundred percent. That's a sitter. I think that's the one where you'd say we rode our luck the most. It's that chance because nine times out of ten he buries that. I mean, you'd expect any Premier League striker to be burying that. In truth, it's close to an open goal. Mm. Um, I think, some... do, you, do you know the only thing I looked at on that, and I thought that I think there was a defender on the line or towards the line who was running in the direction that the ball needed to go, and I think mm. Haaland is really trying to hit it as almost like side netting the other side and just drags it a bit. 
Um, but I think for him to score there, he can't hit the ball straight down the middle. I think he or off to the other side, it has to go across goal. But he's just done too much. Um, but yeah, you just didn't expect someone of his, yeah, of his record and his ability to just tuck that away. Yeah, I mean to be honest, and without sort of switching over to Arsenal too quickly, because we'll give mm. you know we'll give you guys your due time and credit as well. I mean, I actually think Odegaard's finish yesterday was a far more difficult finish than that one because it kind of was almost mm. like a half volley, and he's been able to control it just so neatly into the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's parallels to that, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like cut back. And, yeah. yeah, both Norwegian um, finishes, but one finishes, one doesn't. Oh, yeah, good yeah. observation. I like that. Yeah, that's why we're top of the league and they're not, obviously. <laughs> Evidently. Um, but, I mean, look, generally, all things considered, there's there's no doubt. We rode our luck. But I think from my point of view, mm. you know I was terrified going into this. I thought with the with the injury situation, I thought we were in huge, huge trouble. I just I feel a sense of pride with the, with particularly the second half. Mm. We stepped it up. We got on the ball and I thought um, just not many teams are able and definitely not willing to go toe to toe with City, and I, I've just there's. I think you have to be commended if you're a neutral, even just from the approach that Spurs took to to be that brave and yeah, um, yeah, I, know, I, I, yeah. I'm proud. For for me, I was thinking, God, this is this is risky. They showed a clip. I think I, I didn't realize it before the game. I saw it afterwards on Sky Sports News. They were showing uh, that your back line being drilled before the game about. Um, you know, there was there was a coach like manipulating the ball in the middle of the park and then they were dropping as he approached them and making that recovery run back. And I was like, gosh, they really are going to stick to these principles and try and do this against uh, against one of the best passing teams in, in world football. And I just thought, gosh, like this is, you know, we both expected a, a loss for for um, for Spurs today. So you, you've got to be delighted to come away with a point away as well. Um and I th- having said that, in the last our last episode, I was saying to you, never know, you are their bogey team, and so mm. it's proved again, hasn't it? It's it is funny, and I mean, there's so many games you can look back at, and I think it actually reminded me of the Champions League quarter final where we we ended up knocking them out over two legs, and we were a little bit, I suppose you could call it fortunate in terms of they had the VAR moment with Sterling in the last minute, although it was clearly offside, but it was that sort of ding dong battle where. I don't know. We just seem to get a bit of the rub of the green against City. Mm. Um, I mean, there's the most crazy stat that they've never scored at our new stadium in like however many games, four or five games, which is unheard of for Man City to have not scored against one team at their at their ground for like four or five consecutive games. It might even be six games. Mm. Um, Interesting one. Yeah, so they've never scored. It's it's absolutely nuts. So I don't know what it is. Um, But yeah, no, delighted. And I think one one thing I wanted to call out... um, was Dejan Kulisevsky. Mm. Well, obviously, bagged the equaliser. I thought it was, a, you know, at first I thought it was a worldy header. Then I've kind of looked at the replay and thought, yeah, it's actually clipped his shoulder a bit. But I like the aggression. Oh, really? I didn't pick up on that. I just thought worldy. I thought brave, you know, aggressive, brave, did what he needed to do. And that's pretty much the only place that that header could go, considering the run he had on it. But I didn't realise yeah. there was a deflection. I watched the slow-mo. It's actually worth watching back because you see, I think it's Nathan Ake, that guy in the slow-mo. He just goes flying. It's like he's doing a cartwheel in slow motion <laughs> in the air. It's actually quite quite amusing. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, the, I mean, the aggression, the desire to get in, the power on the header was mm. was outstanding. But it's, he's not quite flush on the on the forehead like I thought initially. Oh, right. I didn't pick up on that. Um, but the thing I wanted to call out with Kulisevsky, and I've mentioned it on a previous podcast, is for me, he's got all the attributes to be a really, really top player. He's not the, the finished article yet. And for me, the thing he needs to work on is his goals and assists contribution. Yeah. Um, to sort of, you know, move into a different category. And, you know, to get a goal and an assist today, um, yeah, I'm just really, really pleased for him. He seems to be buzzing from what I've seen all the little post-match clips. And I think he's setting definitely a high standard in terms of performance levels for us. And he now just needs to keep up with this like impact on games in the way that, you know, Asaka does consistently every week for you guys. Mm. He's, he's, he's contributing. And I think that's the key next step for Kuliseski in, in his development as well. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't disagree. Um, I, I always look at him and I think, I, not that it's a shame, but I just feel like he, you know, if you're designing a player, he's got a lot of things that you would like from a, a right-sided um, winger or forward um, who who plays off the off um off his left foot, but you just I always think if he was a bit quicker, you mm. know, and that is something you can train and you can get faster, you can train and get a bit of extra pace. Not much, but you can. Um but I just think it's a shame he hasn't got that really because he just he never seems to really burst away from people, you know, in the ways that like Saka and Mo Salah, people like that can. Um, yeah, the, the thing with Kulisevsky is if he had the pace, he'd be very similar type player to like an Aryan Robin. He's so mm. one-sided and he can just dribble and cut in, but he's a stronger, bigger guy than those players. But what he has got is an ability to shift it onto his left and whip it in and it's like almost unplayable, that motion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why I think with that amount of quality he's got on the left foot, he needs to be contributing more at, at, at the, the sort of in the final third. So yeah, um, that, that, I think the, the comparison yeah. with Saka is an interesting one because I, I feel like um, Saka can go both ways. You see Saka finish yeah. with his right, um, and he can get to the byline and, and dink. You know, gets the kind of like digs out crosses with his right peg, and you can kind of see it's not the same as his left. But um, yeah, whereas Kulisevsky, I don't really see that too often. I don't think so. I think that's an, maybe another aspect where he could probably get better. Um, oh, his right, his right leg is just for standing. Like yeah. Nothing else, mate. Yeah. But look, we're not coaches, man. <laughs> we, you know, <laughs> he's a pro footballer. He's better than what we, us combined, I suppose. So yeah. Um, so yeah. Do, do, anything else that you wanted to kind of shout out? Anything from the game that you? Because we we have to get to the the final the referee and blunder at the end. Oof. I think, okay, last thing for me before we inevitably come to that moment mm. is it. I'm relieved now that we've ended a spell with Romero suspended. Yeah. Um, it's not specific to the game, but the fact that Richarlison was on the bench after his groin surgery, um, the fact that Romero is now back for our next games from suspension and the fact that Bissouma is obviously back now and played today and Udogi as well was there today. Um I feel a lot more confident in terms of just getting bodies back, like quality bodies, because even though we're obviously missing key players, particularly Van der Ven, Benton, Cor Madison, I think I feel a lot more content with our defence, knowing Romero's in it, mm-hmm. um, and, and equally with our midfield, knowing that Basuma's in it, and I think that's really significant. And we've we've got two key games coming up, and we'll probably 
look ahead to future games at the end of the pod once we've covered Arsenal as well. But yeah. for me, I, I can look ahead with a bit more optimism, whereas going into this game, there was negativity. So yeah, um, that's a significant thing for us. Yeah, I, I think before the game, I did I was think, looking back and I was thinking three on the spin, three losses for Spurs. It has to be a fourth consecutive loss against Man City away. But then you don't often see teams, you know, top six, top eight teams don't often or very rarely lose four games on the spin, you know, or anything mm. around that. So it's usually, you know, you might have one or two losses. Sometimes it goes three, but beyond that. So, you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe they that gave me a bit of thought before the game, thinking now oh, they might get something from it. Bogey team as well. Um, and kind of like, so it proved to be. Um, but it could have been very different if the referee had done what he said he was doing. <laughs> Right, it's a shocking decision, mate. Yeah, yeah it was. I, I couldn't believe it. I, th- I, th- I thought it was looked like a bit of a soft foul initially. It looked like Harlem was kind of playing for that. Um, but then he just clearly he doesn't blow the whistle. He points forward once, then points again to signal advantage. It's a very clear signal to like play on. And um, yeah, I, I just can't think of any you know genuine reason why he didn't allow Greedish to. Go on. Who, I know who's to say he's going to score, but yeah, what well, I bet you were thinking, oh, thank God for that. I mean, like you, the thing that makes this really, that does not look good for the referee is that he didn't blow immediately. He, he blew when Greenish was effectively in on goal. Yeah. Um, and I just don't understand why. I don't know if there's people speaking in the referee's ear and his earpiece and they've gone, oh, you should blow up or or something. I just don't know, but it's it's a really bad decision. And I mean, I don't think anyone's seen Haaland seething like that in the way he was. He was furious. Yeah, he was ready to go, wasn't he? In fact, before <laughs> I um before us we we came on and started to record this episode, I had a little look on Twitter, and he um there was a tweet from someone who'd like had the the footage of what had happened, and he's he's responded to this and just said WTF. Like mm. from from his account, and you just think, oh my gosh, he's he's going to get in trouble. But it is he, he himself has tweeted that from his own account. Yeah, it, it looks like it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty certain. But um, you know, you never know. But it, well, I'm pretty certain it was his. But um, yeah, he's he was he looked like he was ready to punch anyone that got in his way. Right, his hair was down. He was ready for battle. It was like a scene from Game of Thrones. I just thought he was just going to start wiping people out. Um, It it fits the profile. And you know what? What's interesting now, though, is (coughs) City in like recent games, they've they've drawn 4 4 at Chelsea. They drew at home to Liverpool 1 1, and now they've drawn 3 3 to us. And Mm. they're conceding a lot of goals. Obviously, three good teams, but um, it's surprising. There does seem to be just. They're just off it slightly at the minute. And, and I know I asked you sort of last week on the pod what, what result you were hoping for today. And I think you weren't sure at the time because I sort of just dashed it on you and you hadn't really thought about it. And it was a tricky one. But I suppose now from an Arsenal point of view, you've got a three-point gap with City, obviously two points with Liverpool. But mm. you must be, I mean, you must be looking at this at this stage of the season in, in like a really positive vein. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did... At the time in our last step, I did say I would. I'd never ever want Spurs to win a game, 
as being an Arsenal fan, but if whatever works out best for us is what I thought I said. And I, I did want the Spurs win today just to, because realistically we know that Man City are the likely winners of the Premier League. So to keep them as far away as possible, um, a Spurs win today would have been brilliant. Um, but I'm I'm happy with the draw. <laughs> um, I'll take I'll drop points from, from both of you, really, or not. Yeah, I suppose you could call it that. Um, but yeah, it's really, and it's, and it's just a positive week for Arsenal in so many ways, really, including this result for you guys today. Indeed. And I know you were at the Emirates yesterday. How <laughs> was your experience? Delighted with the result, no doubt. But talk to us about the game. Hmm. Obviously, it wasn't televised. So I'm interested to sort of gauge how it went. Yeah, the, do you know what? I wanted to just, the live experience, um, I don't, obviously don't have a season ticket so I go to games here and there I've been to I think two this season Crystal Palace away um and and then this this Wolves game at, at home yesterday and um I was quite close I was only I was in the sixth row behind the corner flag and um so I was hoping in the second half that <coughs> excuse me they uh some goals would be scored and they would celebrate in front of us I was you know I was hoping for some airtime on TV and um <laughs> But it was, I, I love watching matches live. Like, it's really exciting. The 60,000 fans, the passion, the singing and all that. And, you know, you're you're seeing these elite players playing. Um, but it was a really bizarre experience at times. I had, there was, there was a chap behind me who, <laughs> he literally spoke. He, ha, he was just chatting for about 85 minutes, maybe. It was so annoying. Um he was telling me that he, oh, not telling me, he was telling the guy next to him about mortgage rates, mortgages, what his salary used to be as a, as a, um, as a firefighter. And now he's a train driver. And I was just like, goodness me, who comes to football and doesn't actually watch the game and just wants to chat the whole time. I found that bizarre. Um, mm. And that just, that, yeah, it's kind of like, I, I turned around to him a few times. I was like, come on, man, just like watch the game. I didn't say that, but, and you know the look was like, "What are you doing?" Kind of thing. I found that weird. Um, got a theory on that, by the way. <laughs> You've got a theory on it. Yeah, yeah. Go on then. It's something I noticed a lot in my seat towards the end of my season ticket days at Spurs, mm. and and I think now with the affordability of tickets in particular, I think a definitely a much more middle class crowd and audience is coming to games. Um. And you see, I don't know, there seems to be just a lack of a filter. There's there's less in pockets now. You're seeing more, like, less tribalism in certain pockets of the stadium. And maybe mm. they just see it as like a sit back, get entertained while talking about life. Oh, um, I, I, I get where you're coming from. This guy was um, definitely from like a working class background, I would say. Not trying to be like stereotypical or prejudiced or neg- negative towards anybody, but you know, the, you know the way he spoke and what he was talking about, he wasn't. Um, yeah, I just, I just couldn't fathom um, why you would want to just chat the whole way through. And then I was sat there thinking, oh, maybe this is why I don't go to as many games as I could because I just enjoy watching them on my own and I can kind of just not have these different opinions because you hear all sorts of things, don't you? The same chap, Zinchenko gave the ball away and he was like, this guy's a fucking liability. And, and it's like, oh man, this kind of, th- that kind of stuff gets on my nerves, you know, at, mm. at times. Um, and then there was a hilarious moment. There was a guy in front of me as well um, who, you know, the, the, the whacker, whacker, 60 million down the drain Kai Havertz um, 
song, he bless him, he just did not know the lyrics to it. And his <laughs> daughter was just so embarrassed by him. He he his version was this. He was wacka wacka oi oi wacka wacka oi oi Kai Havertz scores again. And it was like come on, mate, it's like a simple chant that everyone's been singing. And uh bless him, he, he tried about three or four times and a few people didn't join in. And then his daughter was like, Dad, you're just getting it all wrong. Just stop. And he just kept doing it. So, you're yeah. me off, Dad. Yeah, this is it. So, yeah, the live experience was, a, was an interesting one. I, like, I really enjoyed it. Um, but then I also do enjoy um, I, I do enjoy watching it at home in my own co- company. I, I don't know. I'm still a bit torn. Like they, they, You can't replicate them. You can't really compare them. They're completely different. But... Um, yeah, it, it was great to get down there, and I and I, I loved the game, and the result was was brilliant too. Um, and it's just been an excellent week for Arsenal. We were electric in the Champions League, um, and we were excellent in the first half yesterday, but not very good in the second half. And um, if I think if Wolves had more players available and less um, less injuries and. And and so on, like players like Pedro Neto and the the Mina being available, I think um, I think we could have shot ourselves in the foot and and uh, you know drop points there potentially because we really weren't great in the second half and didn't take chances. Um, yeah, so yeah, it was a good experience. the the other The other big takeaway for me, uh, we we obviously met up before the game yesterday, <coughs> and I was talking about um, you know we were talking about late goals, and I was saying that you know these teams having playing against us with low blocks and so on. Um, and I was really, I made the point that it's all well and good having a, a really low block or a low block and being really defensive and 10 men behind the ball and trying to play on the counter and things like that. But when it, when you make that mistake and you, you allow us to get an early goal, then that plan is, you know, is it, is futile really. And that, that looked as though that's the way it was going yesterday with Saka scoring early on and then Odegaard getting the second pretty soon after it did feel like we were going to run away with it um but we just couldn't um in the second half we just came out really um it was just like a non-event really in the second half um yeah there was there there was a, an outstanding moment that got me really really uh you know the feels you know like mm. um and I don't know you've probably seen it actually the on if you've seen the highlights on the game, but there's a moment where Wolves start to break and Martinelli is just doggedly chasing back. And it links back to what we were saying earlier about um, Martial and Rashford and um, Doku trying to do the same thing for City against you guys today. But Martinelli just tracks back. He ends up in the corner in his own half, goes out for a throw-in, and then he's just the fans are just like, come on. And eventually he wins wins possession back for us via a throw. And then the fans are just cheering him. And then then he's kind of like amping up the fans as well. And I'm in the crowd at this point just going, yeah, because I love Martinelli anyway. Then he bombs up the other end. And uh, you've seen me where he hits the post, yeah. cuts inside. And honestly, this, this kid is um, he's special. He's so special. And he must be like a manager's dream. You know, someone that works so hard, constantly, um, and he was a threat in, the, in in most of the game. But again, was doubled up. It was just full back and wide player, 
just in front of him. And then even if he tried to like cut back in past those two players, then he's then faced with like a central midfielder as well. So he they really limited him, and you can you can see why you'd want to do that because he's just electric when he's um when he's running at players with that close ball control. Um, yeah, what what a player! But that that really got me goosebumps, teary eyed. Like, come on, you know, like right into it. Um, love that guy. That's and that's not something I would have had at home. Do you know what I mean? I would have been buzzing for it, but to kind of feel it with the the other. The other fifty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine people was that was was even better, really. Well, to be yeah. fair, I think that this is the thing, right? Is that balance between we can when we watch on TV, we we kind of talk about players like they're sort of robots and mm. you know they're just top end. But when you see top end athletes with the skill that is required in football, let alone in Martinelli's position and the quality he has, doing the other side of the game as well as bringing his attacking flair I mean I saw I saw the clip I think I saw the clip and I've obviously seen him hit the post as well in sort of separate separate clips I suppose yeah. but it, that yeah like you say that's a manager's dream and you're thinking well okay we can stifle him at one end and then break but then actually if he's going to do the, the you know put his doggies in and mm. get back and and look like he loved doing it like in that clip he looked like he was enjoying sort of jockeying the player and trying to nip the ball you know that's mm credit I suppose to the manager for drilling him in that way but there's very few players of that skill and that quality that are pre- a prepared to do it and b are able to defend quite well I mean how many how many teams did you play in where you had these incredibly talented attacking players but they just couldn't defend for shit yeah yeah mate that, and that's it's so interesting that you asked that question um because I was sat there watching and I, I played uh, as a right back for like a lot of the time and I always used to I always used to I remember saying to wingers that I that I had in front of me, I would always say, just just stay out, just get out. I want you attacking their fullback, keep their fullback busy, and I'll deal with him like their left winger. And mm. I, that's how I kind of saw it, and that's how I was coached. It was me versus you know that classic win your battles, yeah. battles all over the pitch. And I always thought, right, I'm gonna bomb forward here, make this left midfielder come and defend me. That's what's going to happen. And if I couldn't do that and the other team had a lot of possession, I would think, right, I'm, this guy's not getting the better of me today. I'm going to be solid and, and so on. Um, but that's that's different these days. That You know, I, the, 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 the wingers are being called back in and having to defend. Like, you look at Martinelli, he's doing it for Arsenal. And the other, the Wolves players are doubling up on him. And in the previous game against Brentford, it's the same. They're doing it against Saka and they're doing it against Martinelli and it's doubling up and almost tripling up at some points. So the game has changed out there um, massively, I'd say. Well, I think, well, first of all, against Big Ange's Tottenham, that ain't going to happen and that's going to make for a fun game. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> very true. <laughs> but but also, I think probably the biggest reason for that is is inverted fullbacks now. Because like you say, when you would have played, it would have been you stick to your position up mm. and down. You don't go cutting inside or very rarely. Yeah, um, that that seems one factor, but I, I don't want to take away from from the focus on Arsenal and, and their performance. And I mean, just looking at the goals as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, the second goal in particular was Super. an outstanding team goal, right? Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. And I was at the other end of the ground, so I didn't have the appreciation for it until I saw saw it on the highlights. Um, yeah, it was excellent. Zinchenko linking up with um, Jesus. 
And um, yeah, I think you mentioned earlier about that the finish was superb. And Odegaard really looks like he's coming back to the form we saw from him early on this season and last season, <coughs> which is excuse me, which is obviously like really, really pleasing because he's been off the off the boil a little bit and struggling with a little injury as well. So um, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was a really excellent goal. Um, and as good as the assist from Zinchenko, that's kind of what he gives you. He was then at fault for the for the, uh, the the I think it was Matthias Cunha um, yeah. who got the, the the pulled one back for for Wolves late on. Um, so yeah, he'll be gutted with that. But, um, yeah, I think that's what you get, isn't it? Sometimes with a with a ball playing fullback like Zinchenko, you he's been excellent defensively recently. Um, so yeah, he'll be gutted. And I think he's really stepped up his game because he's got that competition from Tommy Asu as well, who's been playing at left back and doing really, really well. Um, yeah. Who also got the shout at right back in this game, where Ben White was on the bench and came on. So there's, um, uh, you know, that competition for places is and that squad depth that you, you know, that you kind of speaking of about Arsenal with kind of envy from a, a Spurs perspective, which I get. Um, you know, it's we're quite in a fortunate place, really, to have that. Um, but yeah, he, he, I think he was, I thought he was decent yesterday, Zinchenko, and that that goal was, was superb. And we should have had, we should have had more. Trossard had a good chance, one on one, but was yeah, under a lot of pressure. So I think that was that was quite a difficult chance. But then Eddie's one, Eddie and Ketty's one was. So, yeah. I, I jumped up. I was on the shoulders of the guy in front, just just like celebrating, and had to apologise to him afterwards. Like, and uh, I just can't. Yeah, there's there's no one on him. I I want to say unforgivable that he's missed that, but maybe that's a bit harsh. But he absolutely should tuck that, and that just kills the game as well. Um, out, well out of interest, did because I saw that chance and yeah, he's got to bury that. But yeah. once Wolves equalised, there was what with added time about seven or ten minutes to go. Did not equalise? It was it was a they pulled one back. Oh sorry, yeah sorry, pulled one back. Yeah. I mean, did did they threaten after that? Did they have a chance? Um, the only thing I saw in the highlights was was the Enketia chance. Yeah, no, they did. They had they had um, possession. I think they had a couple of um, I don't. I can't think if there was a couple of set pieces they may have I think they may have had a free kick that um you know 30 40 yards maybe about 40 45 yards out something like that um but yeah they didn't really press the the main pressure was there was I think 6 minutes of added time but the referee didn't blow up until like the like 98 minutes 98 and a half minutes something like that he just seemed to not want to blow the whistle and that kind of added mm. to the the anxiety, the crowd are booing, the crowd are whistling, you know, and it got a bit desperate. At one point, I think Declan Rice just smashed the ball about as as high as it did, you know, it was about 100 foot high and then 100 foot long. Mm. Um, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't like desperate defending and they didn't really make Raya do anything. They had, they had some good chances, but not in, not in that period, just a few bits of possession really. But yeah, Eddie should have just killed the game there and then, um, and it was just annoying that he didn't really, but you that's what you you get with him. He's he's quite sometimes he's really clinical, and other times you're like, gosh, you know, he's he's let us down there. Um, yeah, and I do, I think, in that bigger picture, I think that's somewhere where we'll be looking to improve this January or definitely in the summer for sure. Yeah. 
Interesting. Well, I mean, overall, though, from your point of view, it sounds like, on the face of it, a deserved win, particularly based on your first half. Like you said, a lot of the, a lot of the work was done in, in the first half, from what it sounds like. And yeah. Overall, I mean, from an outsider's point of view, it's looking pretty ominous. I mean, at this stage of the season, like you say, you're getting your, you've got Odegaard back, you've got Jesus back, you've got your Martinelli's and your Saka's firing, mm. you're flying in the Champions League as well. I think you go to Luton away on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and I think the rest of the league needs to take note. I mean, I've been quite surprised at the lack of focus from the media in terms of your title credentials. To me, it's evident that you are very, very, very serious contenders this year. Um, and I look at Liverpool at the, at the moment who are closest to you. Yeah. But I still think the differentiator between those two teams is that you, is your squad depth, as we touched on. And really, for me, it's a case of will City unlock another gear in the second half of the season? This is what they do, isn't it? You know, it was the same last season. They, they were just there or thereabouts, second, third, second most of the time. And then all of a sudden, oh, we've got a league to win now. Let's really switch it. And they seem to just be able to do that. And that, that that's the scary thing, isn't it? And say, well... They, they were quite fortunate <laughs> in the sense of you, I think because you hadn't been in that position. Um, oh, sorry, did I disconnect there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I've got you. Oh, sorry, mate. Um, I think they were quite fortunate last year in so much as you've not really been in that position for, for a long time. And I think you also fell off the bandwagon and, and allowed them to some extent. Yes, they went on a crazy run, but I think the mental aspect did affect your young team. And I, I think the other variable here is, well, one is, are City going to step up again? And then two is, will Arsenal buckle or will Arsenal have learned from the experience of last year? Mm. Um, and that, for me, is is way ahead of ourselves. There's a lot of football yeah. to play. But um, I think oh, my concern, as I've said from a Spurs point of view, is that you seem to be growing in, in every aspect as a, as a team. And um, I think no matter what happens, I think... If City win it, you're going to push them to the wire because yeah. you look you look very very good at the moment. But let's yeah. see, long way to go. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. Um, obviously, it's it's still a some way off. And I think you spoke um, when when Spurs were top of the league and you thought they were going to win the league, but you didn't <laughs> really. No, when you didn't really, you were jokingly saying, "I think we're going to win the league, mate." Um, I dreamt it. I dreamt it. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, yeah, I think you made the point that you can be 10, 11, 12 points ahead and that can just be eroded away so quickly with them just consistently winning games when it, when it really matters. Um, and let's face it, anyone that wins the league, whether it's Arsenal or outside of Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, whoever you want to look at, um, they have to be incredibly consistent and near perfect for most of the season, right? Because oh, yeah. otherwise it is City, and they they will, they you know they they're playing lower than their usual standards, I think, and not getting the results that we would all expect. But they're not they're not losing either, so they haven't lost to you today. They haven't they didn't lose to Chelsea when they could have. And um, who was the other draw they had? I think with Liverpool, Liverpool wasn't it? Yeah, I know we beat them, which was you know mega for us, but. Um, you know, that, that's a sign, isn't it, of their quality. They're even when they're not at it, they're still able to not lose. You know, that's oh. that's important. But, um, yeah, long way to go. 
yeah, they, they set new standards. And um, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting, obviously, the games they have slipped up, they're not against teams you'd expect them to have otherwise beaten. It's Liverpool, Chelsea and Spurs, to, which mm. in their defence, they haven't lost any of them. And yeah. they've got three tough games out of the way. Didn't they lose um, to Wolves, though? Yeah, I think that's probably the one they'd look at and say that's the one they've really slipped up in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, where where do Spurs go next? You mentioned uh, our fixtures. Where it gets very interesting for us now. Very interesting. So, um, we have two home games back to back at home to West Ham on Thursday night. Yeah. And we follow that up at home to Newcastle. Um, okay. Who were very good last night, by the way, against United. I, I didn't watch that one. I didn't. But... Oh. Yeah. That was a, That was a pumping and. Um, I was actually looking back at our fixtures and trying to trying to think about things, and we've actually done incredibly well against the top teams this year. We've we've beat United at home, we've drawn away to you guys, we've beaten Liverpool, albeit under crazy circum- unique circumstances. Yeah. Um, all right, Chelsea was again a bit of a freak, I'd say, and we've gone and drawn at, at City. So against the top, I feel you know we're showing that we can compete at that level, and and I think. I've said this before, but for me, what's going to distinguish our season is how we do against the likes of that next tier. Your Brighton's, Newcastle's, Chelsea's, West Ham's. And so these two home games back to back, particularly given the run we've been on for me, are really, really critical. Mm. Um, we have to take really an absolute minimum of four points, in my opinion, yeah. um, from them. And it's going to be tough, but we've got players back. So, um, yeah. I think you guys play first though at Luton and then we're on the Thursday night. Yeah, that that one that's an interesting one, isn't it? That 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 ground and that um yeah, that ground just going to Luton, you know, is a real leveller, isn't it? At some in some ways, you know, Arsenal players are gonna have to that's gonna be very different to playing at home on your carpet in your amazing facilities, you know. Going there is gonna be very, very different and that's um a, a new challenge for everyone this year. I think Liverpool went there and drew, didn't they? Um, yes. So yeah, yes. that would be. Um, I know they are miles off it, and I I, will, I do stand by that, and I fully expect <laughs> us to go there and win. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it will be. You know, it will present a different challenge, and I think Arsenal are going to have to be, um, have to you know, prepare correctly for that one. Um, and I, I do feel that as though they've got that kind of business-like and professional mindset. And they're they're showing that as well. So, yeah, yeah, interesting week ahead. It's nice to have midweek football as well, isn't it? Just to, you know, in this festive period, it's nice just to have those games in the evenings and stuff as well, right? Oh yeah, and I mean, for what it's worth, I expect you to go there and 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 win. Um, you've been very businesslike, and I think on that festive period, no, I think every game is televised on or is being streamed on on Prime. Amazon Prime this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so every game's available. So that's a nice touch at, at this phase of the year. Yeah. And um, just just before we wrap it up, obviously FA Cup third round draw took place today. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. You you posted that on anyone of our listeners that follows us on, on Instagram. I, I was like reading between the lines. I felt like you were quite happy that we got Liverpool, and you're quite happy that you got the Burnley, right? Well, genuinely, I didn't. No, there was. I genuinely didn't even. I just. I, the reason I posted it was one as an update, and and two, both of us playing Premier League opposition at home. Okay. Um, I'd was... be lying if I said I wasn't pleased. You've got, you know, <laughs> it, it's more thinking about that for us. That's the only cup competition we've got. So I mm. know if we can do our job, one mega mega team that has a chance of winning it is going out. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we'll, but uh, yeah. toughest draw possible, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not. It's a tough. It's a tough. I think we're at home, which is which is helpful because going to Anfield is horrid. You know, <laughs> horrid, isn't it? There, you, you know, look at their result today: four three. They were losing with five minutes to go. Three two, they win four three. Like that place is not anywhere you'd want to go for an FA Cup game or any game. Um, but I, I, you know, we we want to. We want to win any competition that we're in, and uh, no doubt they'll they'll be going for that one. However, for me, Champions League and the Premier League is is much more important, or both more important. Premier League first, Champions League second. Um, we've won the FA Cup a lot of times. Um, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's a great cup. Very proud to win it. But um, yeah, it wouldn't it would be my third priority really? Whereas for Spurs, that could be. You know that a winnable trophy, isn't it? And the, this kind of trophy success that you're you've been craving for a little while, right? Yeah, definitely. I think it's evident. I mean, with Arteta's team that he put out when you played West Ham in the EFL Cup, mm. it's pretty clear that the domestic cups are not your priority this year. He's got high aspirations for the top top honors. Yeah, um, and rightly so. I think that has to be your objective. For us, yeah. I mean, FA Cup is, is all we've got now, really. Yeah. Um, although, and I hadn't even considered this, January, obviously, it's African Cup of Nations, so I, I knew, you know, I, I knew Basuma and Saar would be going away, but I hadn't clocked that it's also the Asian Cup, so we're going to lose Sonny for a month as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I came across that the other day. I didn't um, want to listen to a different podcast and was like, oh, because that affects Tommy Asu as well. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, didn't think about that. But he got injured yesterday. He came off. Um, so I'm worried that he might be out for a little while. I don't know how long, but I haven't really got an update on that. But, um, yeah, there's implications all around, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think as we get closer to the end of the month, I think we should definitely look at a little uh, January transfer special because I think certainly from our side, mm. we're going to need to be dipping into the transfer market. I'd be interested to see if Arsenal do anything as well. So we should definitely touch on that later on. Yeah, I think there's um, I think there's a little winter break, isn't there, that they do after in the new yes. year. So maybe that that could be an episode at that point. That would be good. Um, and just another little update. I, I have um, created us our... Uh, X or Twitter account that any listeners want to follow us on there we'll be sharing different bits and pieces from the pod and that is um, at NLDN is ours um, so yeah please have a follow if you if you use X and use Twitter but please don't abuse us because we're not there for that <laughs> um, yeah so yeah thanks again Andy lovely stuff mate good episode no, no defeats in or around North London this weekend, on to the next midweek football. Bring it on. This is it. Enjoy. Have a good week. Take care, everyone. See you. Bye-bye. <coughs> Welcome to North London is Ours, the Arsenal and Spurs podcast brought to you by Andreas and me, Aaron. Enjoy. <laughs>